Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, we are live with the sixth round post-fight show with me, your host, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC Vegas 79, Fizia versus Gamrot, ending on a mildly depressing note, a, a mo- an yeah. underwhelming moment. Anticlimactic, for yeah. sure. And it was warming up to be a great fight in the main event there. I know. They were, they were nip-tuck. Fiziev was stuffing all the takedowns early. and But Gamera, you know, he's despite the fact that he almost always only throws right hands, he's got good enough timing on that thing. He was making it a fight still, making things difficult, popping the right out there. And he, uh, you know, then he got the takedown in round two. And it felt like, hey, maybe Gamrot's going to start turning this around. Like, I'm, I was thinking, like, I don't love this for Fiziev. I don't love seeing him get this tied up this early in the fight. Then he pops back up, gets back to range. It's like, oh, no, wait, maybe maybe he's going to start, ta- you know, maybe he's going to keep making this his fight for the early. And then he just breaks his, busts his knee, torques his yeah. knee throwing a huge body kick and that's it that's all we get yeah it's really unfortunate um now that i think about it um so yeah he blew his knee out throwing a kick but the way he was defending the takedowns was um just kind of balancing on one leg as as Gamrot was doing the treetop where you just lift their leg as high as humanly possible. And Fiziev just didn't, I mean, the dexterity was incredible, but like his leg was hyper extending. Yeah. True. Like it happened twice. The first time yeah. wasn't so bad. The second time at the end of the, the first round, mm-hmm. I mean, it really got hyper extended and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that contributed to the damage. Could be. I mean, it is, it's definitely, it's one of those things with an injury like that where, I mean, at some point it can just be chance, it can just be dumb luck, it can just be, it could be all the wear, obviously, of years of doing this, it could be him hyperextending right. it on that takedown defense, and, sure. you know, I know a lot of people are going to shit on Gamrot for throwing this idea out there, too. but it could also be Gamrot blocking the body kick and forcing Fiziev's his uh, momentum to stop and like you know get checked at a different angle than he expected. You never you never know. Could be probably not. Probably doubtful. not doubtful. Doubtful. I'm just saying the uh, universe's infinite possibilities are with a knee injury. It's just 
it, you know, it could have been it, existing, right? Yeah, could, could yeah. Have came in with a bum knee. Yeah, and it just held up for as long as it could. Yeah. Either way, it was really turning into a good one, though. It, that, that it really scram, that scramble there at the end of the first. It was like, Whoa! yeah. And they shared that little exchange. They just smiled at each other. Man, I could have done five rounds of that. That would have been yeah. Fun. That was really great. So, unfortunately, it all wraps up. We don't get to see the awesome full five rounds. We don't get to see the definitive finish. We just have Fiziev out now for a while, and that's it. Yeah, Gamrat moves on. You know, he goes up the up the ladder, back up the ladder. He gets to try for another top five fight, hopefully. Um, called out Charles Oliveira. Don't love the call out. Yeah, I mean Charles Oliveira is already booked. We 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 haven't asked there. Uh, speaking of which, would y'all pick Gamrot or Hooker if they fought next? Ooh. I would, I would pick Gamrot mm-hmm. personally. Just straight off, he's super durable, and Hooker has never been uh, immune to pressure or getting taken down and getting wrapped up in that kind of battle. And I feel like. His knee bar if, defense, though, lest we forget, <laughs> yeah, the thumb and the anus is uh, <laughs> got That's impe- the, yeah. <laughs> impeccable leg lock defense. Dan <laughs> Oker. Um, no, but um, I would absolutely pick Gamrot in that, and I would absolutely yeah. just be delighted if I were wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're wrong, it's if you're wrong about that one, you're, you know, it's yeah, you're gonna see an awesome fight. I would yeah. definitely pick Gamrot, but. It would be a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I mean there are there are lots of good options. Somebody else mentioning Chandler. That's as the well. best option. Mike yeah, Chandler. Let's give up on the the Conor McGregor thing. Let's go ahead and forget about it, and let's just get Michael Chandler a fight. Let's mm-hmm. get him in there with Gamrod. Like that's that's it's almost like the Fizia fight, right? But instead of kicks, you got a powerhouse who's just going to come swing wild hooks, and you want to take Chandler down. I would love to see that too, right? Yeah. Like that matchup is is a ton of fun, a ton of fun. And I don't, you know, Chandler's not known for being uh, f- fragile or no. not necessarily accident prone. So I, I think we'd get we'd get a tough fight out of those two. Yeah, no, I would love to see that. That seems like an obvious fight to book. And yeah, we at some point we all have to to give up on the idea of Chandler versus McGregor. So yeah, I'm done. I'm done with it. Yeah, it's over for me. I I don't think it's happening. It was it was what there was that brief glimmer where McGregor's talking about oh I'm fighting in December and all this and you're like oh is he really? And then you know like a week later, two weeks later, the UFC's like we've booked, uh, you know. Edwards versus Covington for UFC 296 last in December. And you're like, okay, well, that's that's that booking done. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh well. Oh well, whatever. Chandler versus Gamrot, that would be a fun. It's a terrible consolation prize. I'll just say that though. If you're Michael Chandler and you're looking out there like what I should have had versus what I'm gonna have, yeah, it's a terrible consolation prize. No, it's true, but I mean, who else? No, I, I'm not saying that there are no like great consolation prizes, but that one, it's just, you know, you go from a, a, a fight you could win over the most famous fighter in combat sports to a fight you might lose against some guy nobody really cares about at all. 
which you know, not no shade to Gamrot, but he he's he's very much still just a a a guy in lightweight, a lightweight guy. No, he's he's like he's going the Benil Dariush route. Right. Uh-huh. He's, he's got to earn his wins and, and that'll he'll steadily get respect off of merit. And, you know, that can and get then he'll get beat by Charles Oliver and we'll forget all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. We've seen this movie before. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the co-main event then. Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige and. Uh, OK, you know, first of all. Post-fight speech. Batshit nuts. Not as nuts as it could have been. Okay, you know, to give Mitchell credit, sure, he wanted Danny Gay to lead the octagon in prayer, which uh, you you could tell that the the tech people in Bisping's ear were like, do not let let Danny Gay lead the octagon in (laughs) prayer. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I, people are commenting like, "Oh, they're blaming Bisping for that." I have we have seen Daniel Cormier run away with the microphone from somebody trying to wish their mom happy birthday. Do not mm-hmm. doubt for a second that the people the that the broadcast or that the people in the truck are telling these interviewers, "No, no, no, we are out of time. You cannot give this person another second. Like, Which is crap because there was so much time. Like yeah. they had all the time. Um, yeah, but no, I, it definitely could have been a lot weirder. It could have been weirder. He's giving five five thousand dollars to Hawaii to Danny Gay to donate to Hawaii relief efforts. That's very yeah. nice. That's fine. Maybe, maybe Satan lit the fires. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> but you know, no, like you want to you want to donate. That's fine. You want to spread yep. the gospel. That's fine. You want to yeah. share a prayer. That's fine. Um, I feel like he could have pulled out a number of conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. It could have got weird. It could have got weirder. At least he brought up one where he there's an actual cause to donate to. Exactly. So and you know, I'm gonna Whatever. I'm gonna give him some slack. I feel like he's trying, right? Like he's trying to learn about life, about the world. Sure. And like he's just he's grasping density. And I think that's <laughs> a plus, right? And then, like the next step, if he can get, if he can grab onto gravity, that would be really like the next step is how gravity affects different things with different masses, different ways. Yeah, and once he can like combine the two, oh man, maybe maybe he will figure out exactly why the Earth has to be round due to the effects of mass and gravity on matter in space and what whatever. But we're getting yeah. It's, if if ten, tw- if fifteen years from now he's figuring out that the world is round, then we can all be, we can all be better for it. Sure. Um, but anyway, fight itself. You know, credit to Ige. He came in prepared. He was stuffing all kinds of takedowns, doing the damage. Mm-hmm. But the problem here really was that. Ige is always, you know, he's very, he's a very counter-focused fighter, and he was always happy to be second, no matter how long the fight, you know, how the fight was going. And that just means you're going to give Bryce Mitchell the chance to lead every time. You're always going to be letting him set up the attack and him set up the approach, him get in on the takedown, and you're going to have to be defending it. 
And once that starts going a little wrong, you know, midway through round two, he's given up that takedown. And suddenly it's a much bigger deal than it was late in round one. Early in round three, yeah. you're giving up that takedown. It's a much bigger deal. And that momentum shift just Mitchell's, you know, he's a dog. He and knows how. He was even being second in the and not just the wrestling, but once it hit the ground. Yeah. Even, even when he was on top, if you watch, as soon as he gets the takedown, what happens? He kind of just freezes and Bryce is instantly, you know, yeah. doing the butterfly hooks or you know, getting his underhooks. He's he's doing things, stuff and things. He's moving and being active, yeah. automatically going for things. Uh man, the back take he had there in that third round. Yeah. Craziest sequences because it looked like he just completely bombed on a position, but he didn't. He was he was uh-huh. like methodically, and that's the thing. Like people, you can't yeah. sit there and, and say Bryce Mitchell is dumb. He's not stupid by any means. No. No. Like by He's any just... means, his chess no. game is phenomenal out there. He's a very smart man. He, he's just grasping. in his element. In his element, sure, sure, <laughs> you sure. know. I, he, I, I've said it on the the the, the vivisection multiple times before. I, I really feel like it's one of those like, man, if somebody had gotten to this guy sooner, because yeah, he fights like a very smart fighter, and you're just like you. This is a, a learning thinking guy out there who is he is figuring out how to win the fight as it's happening, and that takes a lot of intelligence. He clearly thinks about stuff. It's just you know. Given his own hand, there's very little to guide him when he's just in his own realm doing his own research. Then he just kind of goes down whatever YouTube rabbit hole is popular at the moment. Sure. And I'm sure that stems from some mistrust that happens somewhere. In oh, his sure, life, sure, sure. Right. Sure. And he kind of relates them all together as one giant conspiracy, yeah. I guess. But either way, um, this fight was so good for him. There was a. Yeah. a clear turning point in the second round at least as far as i saw was he come like ige is doing great on the feet the eye of mitchell is all close it's close yeah 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 i have a feeling they brought that doctor in who by the way seems straight out of vegas right yeah he's straight out of the pit boss's office it seemed like uh but i I think bryce was like don't even come near me doctor don't come in i want none of you I would guess also too, he could probably force it open just enough. Like all you got to see is like the, a corner of four fingers. Like all you got, all you got to do is barely see that there's, you know, one or two or three, as long as you could face force it open just a little bit, which he probably mm-hmm. could. That's enough. So coming back from that, right. The fight restarts and Mitchell goes out there and just rocks Ige, stuns him, body lock, right to the takedown. And then he he learned, oh, wait, I can, like, dominate this dude from the top? Okay. And and from then on, he was more adamant about getting his positions, even yeah. though he had to get really clever to get mm-hmm. into those positions. Ige is no slouch on the ground. Like, he's he's legit. Yeah. So Bryce really had to get creative with his entries, with his advances, and the dude has arms for legs. Like, yeah, they're working at the same time. And the way he can transition from the back to the mount and vice versa, it's it's really it's it's top shelf. It's really top shelf. So hats off to him for pulling this out. This was a tough, a really tough fight. Ige was doing a ton of damage on the feet, but Bryce found a way to you know make it his fight. Yeah, no, he's. 
he's he continues to show that why he's a top 15 fighter whether whether that can bring him all the way to title contention or not you know i still have my doubts just because when he does get when when the when the grappling and when the wrestling is shut down for him his striking is still really really raw Mm -hmm. but you know he can make a lot happen so you gotta respect it I'm sorry, my dog is going nuts over here. So I'm like occasionally just I'm not even I don't even have a treat. I'm just throwing something and she's running off. Like I feel terrible about it, but she didn't get locked away for the start of the show. And now I'd have to go like run and yeah, whatever. Let her let her on. Give her some yeah. airtime. I'm sure she will. has talked about this. I will. Uh when she gets back, I'll I'll try to corral her. But uh yeah, so Great win for Mitchell. Keeps him high up in the division. I still, you know, I know they've tried and failed twice, but let's just give the evil of booking one more shot. Sure. You know? It doesn't matter. Bryce is going to be fun no matter what. He will. He will. Uh, all right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Watterson Gomez. And, Ew. okay. <laughs> Anybody here who watched the vivisection might remember this week. I had I I, I mocked Connor openly because he was like, ah, I don't really see the problem with. He kind of forgotten that they'd fought before. Honestly, I'd kind of forgotten that they'd fought before too. And then I remembered that they they fought before, and I was just like, Wait, why the hell are we seeing? This? Like, we know exactly how this fight's gonna go. We saw it once, and it was the clearest example of how this fight's gonna go. Marina Rodriguez is just a better, more dangerous striker than Michelle Watterson. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "Yeah, it's not that bad." And I was just like, "It's not that bad," you know. <laughs> it's bad. It was terrible. It was a terrible idea in in theory. It was a much worse idea in practice. Nobody needed to see this fight twice. Michelle Watterson didn't need it. I know she wanted it, but she did not need it. Marina Rodriguez did not need it. Nobody needed this fight again. And well, Rodriguez, just... Rodriguez definitely needed it. Wow. Like, like, she's got a highlight now. Sure, sure. I mean, it's good for her, but... She definitely needed it. For it sure. was just... It is one of the most unmitigated one-way shit kickings that I have seen in a while. And we had last week we had oh that Josh. I wrote a uh, shit kicking. It's a yes. shit kicking, a full-on shit kicking. I gave that first round 10-7 to Rodriguez. That's not 10-8. That's 10-7. That should have been stopped. That yes. should have been fucking stopped. There was there was Why, a full was I don't know, but that's criminal. That should have been stopped in the first. That, there was a full minute. Came in there. there was a full minute of that round where Michelle Watterson did not throw a single strike. Like, I don't care that, it, you know, not landing. I don't care that you're still standing. I don't care that you're still conscious. Like, we want to talk about something that boxing has down better than MMA. If that were if that were a boxing fight and Michelle Watterson did not throw for a minute, they would have called the fight. Yeah, that would have been stopped. Hundred percent. That's a ten-seven round. That's yeah, ten-eight round. That's a ten-seven round. Like last week, we saw 
Knudsen versus Mann. We saw Coppola versus Fremd. We saw Godinez versus Reed. I'm sorry, Eddie. I know I don't want to bring that pain back to you. We saw, uh, you know, Rosas versus Mitchell. We did not see one ass kicking last week as bad as what Rodriguez put on Mitchell on uh, Watterson this week. Yeah, no kidding. Like they uh, they definitely wanted that fight to go to the second round. <laughs> yeah, that that ref had money on finish in round two. That's insane, man. Ten seven. Yeah. Like I don't. I can't recall like a more clear ten seven. That's a ten no. seven. That... In fact, the fight was stopped, but he stopped it just so like that. That yeah, check a in. Cu- like. This woman is bleeding out of every part of her face. What are you checking? Like, <laughs> no, that was that was brutal. I feel all kinds of bad for Michelle Watterson, but that fight should have never happened. Like, it just it was a pointless rematch to book, and it looks in hindsight like just a negligent fight to book. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, no, it's true. That might be it for the karate hottie in the UFC. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she was still ranked with this fight, so it would be kind of weird to cut her off of this loss. But that's four straight losses. It is four straight losses, and six of her last seven. Yeah, no, I know it hasn't been good. The, and the worst part to me is that honestly, I feel like she's actually been looking pretty good lately. Like. Mm-hmm. Her fight against Pinheiro, she could have won that fight, technically. Her fight, uh, you know, against Carla Esparza, she could have won that fight in 2020. Like, there are a couple of wins she could have had in there that it would have at least changed the color of this, you know, this losing know. streak. Um, But this loss was brutal. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she'll get the Sam Alvey treatment and get to fight out her contract if there's any left, and then go over to Karate Combat. Yeah, yeah, well that that would be, you know, maybe not the worst move for her. But she is also you got to remember she is an Endeavor talent. Mm. She's actually what part of the, uh, the the WME stable right. of the management team. Yeah, so. They're probably not cutting her in a hurry. All right. That takes us to... Oh, and afterward, Marina Rodriguez called out Tatiana Suarez. I doubt Suarez takes that fight. I doubt Rodriguez wins that fight. But you know what? The title next title fight is probably Weili Zhang versus uh, Yao Zhanan. So if Rodriguez is going to sit on the sidelines, I'd rather see her fight Rodriguez. If, uh, Suarez gets it on sidelines. I'd rather see her fight Rodriguez. I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, sure. Wouldn't be it. Wouldn't be the worst booking out there. No, this was the worst booking out. This there. was the worst booking out there. <laughs> All right, that brings us to a welterweight bout: Brian Battle, AJ Fletcher, and uh, I don't feel as bad for Fletcher as I do for Watterson Gomez. No way! How could but, you? Well, because he's got he's he's out there fighting at welterweight with Macy Barber's arms. So <laughs> he's built like a fire hydrant. Come on now, <laughs> he's built like R two D two. He dropped Brian Battle. 
Okay. He did. That I know. He had a big moment in this fight. He won the first round. He won the first round. And uh, it's a credit to battle that he fought back from that and he took over. Back, he battled. You know, I was avoiding it. I was avoiding. You, you have to. Oh, God. Out here with the Bisping isms. But uh, yeah. Credit to battle. He came back. He turned it around. He got the, he. I mean, Fletcher didn't even fight the sub. As somebody in the live chat noted, like, how does a man with no neck get choked like that? He probably just didn't think he ever could be. You know, I think he was dead ass tired. That too. That too. battle cooked his ass from jump yeah. three. Honestly, this was a genius performance from Brian Battle. Aside from getting knocked down, yeah. But the the whole first round, stay composed. Don't use any energy and just keep the body nonstop. Yeah. Just poke the body, poke the body, poke the body. Round two, then you come forward with the pressure. Start letting your hands go. Knees up the middle. Those were nasty. Gets on top. And from there, he's just cooking. Yeah. Half-ass submission attempts. Just, yeah, go ahead and burn your arms out getting out of this. Get out of this. Get out of this. Boom. Take the back. Strangled him. Like, he cooked him in every single position, aside from the knockdown. But he just cooked him. That was genius. Yeah. It was great. It was great. It was a great fight from him, uh, you know. And, yeah, I wish he'd used his jab more. You got a 10-inch reach advantage. But, hey, he got the body kicks, right? He got the front kicks. And it's so crazy because the way he stands, it's like at any moment this dude's going to get folded, right? Yeah. The whole time I'm like, his chin is right there. He's got that Sean – he's got the classic Sean Strickland pose kind of like. But he'll do the the bare knuckle. Yeah. And Yeah. Whatever works for sure. Yeah. But it I get nervous for him in exchanges, yeah. especially on the inside. Well, it helps here that the inside for him, like you know, Fletcher had to be literally connected to him physically right. to reach him. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, t- it's just all it's always gonna be tough for AJ Fletcher in the octagon. That's why I, I you know, I feel for him a little bit because he, they were like, oh, he's got the shortest reach of any welterweight. He's got the shortest reach of any welterweight. He's got the shortest reach of any lightweight. He's got the shortest reach of any featherweight. Wow. There might be a couple bantamweights that have a reach shorter than his. Maybe. But 67 inches, you know, I'm not like Macy Barber. I wasn't like, she's 65. Wow. You know? Yeah, you got to have some impeccable footwork, and you got to have some insane pressure. Yeah, there's, there's the dog. Up, Molly? There's the what are you doing? What are you doing, Molly? Molly? They're, they're hearing you. <laughs> we hear your opinions. Even yeah. Molly gave Rodriguez a 10-7. That's that. right. <laughs> yeah, Battleman, what an overproducer. Yeah, no kidding. He always does way better than I think. And maybe I've been sleeping on him. I don't know. But he's yeah. I've 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 been you know when he got to the OC, I was just like, oh, the tough dude whose big thing is that I scrap with people and like doesn't control any of the action. I was I was just like, he's gonna be gone in in six months, you know. Mm -hmm. And a cutting down to welterweight, great move for him. He's got a huge reach, and uh, I think that that's really takes advantage of it. But also, he's a great opportunist. 
man sees a chance, he knows what to do with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. His grappling uh, is severely underrated. I it think. is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Got to throw the invisible treat out there. <laughs> I don't know All what right. to do with battle, though. What do you yeah. I think he, I mean, he's calling like, oh, I, I want to be, he's, he's talking like he should call out top 50. He's, he hasn't beat anyone not scraping the absolute bottom of the division right now. Put him in there with Chaos Williams. Put him in there with like, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, put him in there with Mike Malott, Song Kinan, Carlston Harris. Somebody, where's Alex Morono? Yeah, he's got a fight booked right now, Morono. But see, somebody coming off a win or two in that division, and uh, I think we need to do Alex Morono, like both like oddly technical fighters that are you know uniquely dangerous. That could be Morono. Yeah, I mean Morono too. I, I'm fine with Morono. Like I say he's just booked right now. If you. Mm-hmm. Any any guy anybody that needs to uh, you know anybody that's just not clinging to the bottom and then you know let let him turn this this run of success he's having into into some real good wins that he can he can claim you know and then he can start talking more about calling people out and stuff like that because him being like they need to call me out and all that's like you beat up AJ Fletcher like you know. Well, he's never been battle's never been one for uh rocking the mic, so to speak. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I mean? You, know you, feel, I'm me? you feel me? Yeah. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not easy. No, no. All right. That brings us to a bantamweight battle. Oh wait, no, featherweight fight. Never mind. I almost skipped it. Charles Jordan, Ricardo Hamosh. Who among us saw Charles Jordan by submission? In this fight. Oh, not a single one of us. Not a single one of us. I am absolutely shocked. <laughs> I picked Jordan to win, not by a submission, and definitely not by hunting an arm in guillotine. Yeah. Hunting, hunting an arm in guillotine. Not just happen to catch it on the fly. No. Hunting, dying on the hill until he got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think even, even Hamosh was just like, wait, what? Yeah, that did. Yeah, brilliant too because Hamosh was so close to getting out, like his head almost popped out, but Jordan took his own head and pressed it against his just to keep it long enough Mm -hmm. to get the tap. What a perfect adjustment! Yeah, perfect adjustment, insane, unexpected submission. Uh, That's something people have to look out for now. You got to protect your neck around him. Yeah. It was a fun fight, great fight, great win from Jordan. Jordan, and then afterward, he's like the fifth guy in the past month to call out Cub Swanson. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's a it's a name in the twilight of its career of it, of their career, so everybody sure. feels like they can pick Cub off right now. Right, it's the you know, it's um, it's like the low hanging elite fruit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's what Patty Pimblett's doing to Tony Ferguson. Not nearly that bad, but yes. Swanson's on. He's not nearly as 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 out to pasture as t- Tony Ferguson, but it's it's the same relative idea. Personally, I want to see Jordan versus Billy Quarantillo. 
That's the only fight I want to see. I don't care. Okay. Anything else, whatever. Quarantillo, Jordan. Book it. Gotta have that. Gotta have that fight. I like it. All right. That brings us to a Bantamweight bout. Miles Johns, Dan Argetta, and... This was the mirror match it was supposed to be. And credit to to Miles Johns, because Argetta made him fight tooth and nail every second of the way. And I personally, I picked Argetta to win this because I was like, man, I think if Argetta goes after him like this, Johns will fold. I've seen him get hurt. I've seen him fold in other fights. I think this pressure can break him down. And Johns didn't. He fought absolutely tooth and nail. All the way through, led the had the better striking, always landed the better shots, and just never let Argetta turn his pressure into actually winning this fight. Yeah, that's a, a tiring fight. A tiring yeah. fight. Shout out to the gas tank of both of those guys. No I mean, tired just watching it, all the scrambles and grappling exchanges, and just uh watching Argetta strike. Like he doesn't he doesn't set up his strikes with like feints or other strikes. It's or all anything. Like, it's all just movement based, right? Yeah, he, he, I, he, I, he, I said I'm going to dig and I'm going to zag and then I'm going to throw something. He he strikes like he watched he, he watched Matt Hughes fight once or no, no, bought no, the he, Tito Ortiz instructional DVD set. He watched uh, BJ Penn knock out Kauno. <laughs> That's it. He comes out throwing crazy, like he's like he or I don't it is know. the he's most two thousand three ass striking. It's just you know he learned how to strike from uh, like crash test dummies or something. Yeah, it is just impact. It is just yeah. That's all it is. Hurling yourself at your opponent, and that's got to get cleaned up. That's not going to fly. No, yeah, in the it, UFC bantamweight. You know, John's. This is. Johns is a he's got he's solid he's won some fights he's not like the top of the bantamweight echelon at all and the further up you get the worse that gets like every dude above miles johns will outstrike you much worse than miles johns did yeah you know Mm -hmm. so yeah he's got to get that cleaned up no question but uh yeah great win for miles johns honestly like he gutted that out, and he's looking. He, his striking is is better, and he is more confident for it. You know, I think that's the big thing. Yeah, it's really hard to get over at bantamweight with yeah. being one dimensional. I mean, you really have to be superb everywhere. You yeah, can't, you can't lean on athleticism because everyone's an athlete. You can't just lean on your striking because everyone can strike and grapple. So it is yeah. really probably the hardest division it in is. terms of having to be well rounded. Oh, oh! Somebody's asking. They they missed. They they're coming in late here. Clearly, oh yeah. Eddie very much scored round one a ten seven for Watterson. For Rodriguez. Or for for yeah. Rodriguez, right? Yeah. Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, the fight should have been stopped, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that fight should have been stopped on multiple occasions. And- That's the big thing, because like should have been stopped to me is like a, a good ten eight qualifier, an easy ten eight qualifier. Is if mm-hmm. you're watching, you're like, oh, this the ref might step in here. Right. That's a good ten eight qualifier. This is 
there was a full like minute long stretch where it's like you're screaming at the ref you need to stop this fight yeah exactly this needs to be over that is that is a great that is a great 10-7 qualifier not that we'll ever see a 10-7 in mma is is there any way to find out what the scorecard was for that uh yeah i can let me let me see that would be really cool let me duck over and see. They almost always get posted, especially. And there, there should definitely be a ten-seven round like that, which obviously uh, here it is should require some investigation on why ten-eight on all three judges. Okay, at least so, there's that. At least, at least nobody scored at a ten, or at least nobody scored at a ten-nine. That would have been abysmal. Yeah, that's that would be criminal, also. But yeah, to answer the question, hundred percent ten-seven round for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, for that, ah, my personal highlight of the night. Yes. This was for all the old men out there. Tim Means, Andre Fialho, or Fialho, those damn Portuguese in their language. I hate it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Tim Means just going out there and putting on the gritty road dog old man performance that we all love seeing from Tim Means when he is fighting at his, and this is like, he's, he's lost a step. He's more fragile. There was, there were a couple moments in this fight where he was stung badly. Mm-hmm. Where Fialu, yeah. Fialu was pouring it on, but just like, especially I love that moment early where Fialu heard him and is like walking him down and looking for the big shot. And means just comes right back with a knee up the middle and drops mm-hmm. him on his ass. Mm-hmm. Oh. He did like the, he dropped a knee first, you know, yeah. all, like all art, artsy and fancy with the, 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 the knockdown. It um, was what I loved is, um, is like the moment Tim Means realized he had dude's number. I think yeah. in the first round, but he, he like stuck him and then he's just like, yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, Tim Means, go get his ass, and he did. Man, it was a war, but it was a war. He but... tuned him up, man. He it was surgical. It was, yep. it was all significant strikes. <laughs> it was all significant strikes. I mean, Tim Means is such a dude. We're like, this man has the athletic advantage of over nobody out there. Mm-hmm. But he is so willing to throw down, and he is so unbelievably technical with that. Like it's, I know he gets hit a lot, but that is because he has a style. He has put himself into a style that is all about sitting down, leading the dance, and then picking people off when they come back at you, being in the pocket, being there to slip and counter. And if you're there and you're fighting like that in the pocket and you're leading and you're waiting to counter after you lead, you're throwing out little jabs, little kicks and being like, okay, they're going to sit down something. I'm going to come back and I'm going to hit them harder. You're going to get hit. It's always Mm going to happen, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not the fastest dude out there in the world. Right. But in that style, when it is clicking, man is a joy to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he is so creative with the shots he picks. His clinch work is gorgeous. Yeah. Man, Fialo, he got just mauled against the cage. Knees to the body, elbows. I mean, dirty boxing. He just Just, got tuned up. And then the third round means it's just like, I'm going to kick you in your head through your guard. 
Yep. And it's just like rocking them with it. And it's like Fialho just became a sitting duck. Yeah. In the dirty Beautiful bird. fight. Ah, uh, I, 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 I clapped when he, when it happened. I yeah. was so excited. And I, I just, I didn't even know why, but I was just beyond just thrilled with Tim Means still rocking out. He's got to be like 40 or close to. He's 39. I, I am barely younger than Tim Means <laughs> still. And so him doing it for all the old dudes out there, I love it. I'm just like, yeah, I want to see this. You know, I, I will I will always cheer against the rule the Raul Rosas of the world because <laughs> the Chase Hoopers of the world, these young these young kids. Whippersnappers. The whippersnappers out there. And I will always cheer for the Tim Means out there. Yeah, the Cubs. The old men. Yeah. Any heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was awesome. Love to see it. Honestly, this this is what brought me back to the card because yeah. the card was shit up until this point, if I'm going to be honest. And I was starting to check out. So yeah. this fight brought me back in. I picked this card to be all decisions, all up and down, mm. every fight. And far off. What getting to that point, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. The DQ, that ter- a terrible DQ is all that <laughs> saved us. So far, but uh, yeah, no. Oh, um, so another thing about the means fight that was one of two fights that Chris Lieben was judging, yeah, the crippler. That's yeah. uh, that'll be interesting to see him judging fights. He, yeah, he did not shine early in uh, the curtain well, jerker, yeah, and the curtain jerker. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tamar's Vidal, Montserrat Rendon. He was the descending judge. In, yep. In that one, which I'm not. You know, it it was a, it was a close ish fight. I'm not gonna really bag on it, but you know, somebody out there, I think it was Aaron Braun Steeler or Steeler, put out like Chris Lieben is the test point to see if experienced fighters are better judges than experienced judges. It's like a. I think that's unfair to him. Just let yeah. the guy go out there and do his judging. He's he's clearly just working on his own thing. He doesn't need that weight on him. B, the answer is just no. I'm just going to say it right now. Like Fighters collect all sorts of bias over their career from how they train, from how they like to fight, what they like sure. to do, who they know. Chris, they, Chris yeah. Lieben is not the sample size. No, he's not the sample size. And if you want the more exact answer of whether high-level fighters are going to make better judges, the answer is no. Just look on Twitter on any given fight and watch all of the UFC fighters judging rounds out there. And you'll see how often they just, like, give rounds to training partners. Hell, they post it on the broadcast. Yeah, exactly. You just read like, the little bottom left corner. They'll show you all the crazy scorecards. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. That said, love to see Tim Means get the win. And I, you know, I, maybe I want to see him fight like uh, Ponzinibbio, maybe. I don't know. Like, that would be a nice reward. Like, you like, that feels like a fight that should happen before both men retire kind of thing. Yeah, that's fun. And there, I mean, really, it's it, he's in the middle of the the welterweight division as an action fighter. There are like fifteen fights out there he could take that would all be be fine and make sense. But yeah, there can't be many more left for him. To be honest, no, no. I mean, he's thirty nine. That 
division does not get kind to aging fighters. So, anyway, that brings us to a middleweight bout. Cody Brundage, Jacob Malkoon, our controversy moment of the night, which isn't really a controversy to me. Um, I guess just because it's a DQ. Yeah, people are like, oh, should it have been a no contest? Oh, did Cody Brundage quit? All this bullshit. To me, there are two really simple things here. First of all, Jacob Malkoon is the one who threw the, who made the foul. He, he created that foul. That's all his fault. 100%. Can't blame Cody Brundage for getting fouled. Right. Second, second of all, there are all sorts of situations where hitting somebody in the back of the head is totally fine. Legal, not going to be stopped, not going to be counted against anybody. You're standing up and you get hit in the back of the head. That's your fault. You moved into that strike. Somebody's hitting you in the back of the head in a standing striking exchange. You did something to create that. Or like a head kick wraps around the foot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. But the thing here is that if you are on somebody's back and you have hooks in, and you are controlling their posture, and you're dropping the shot on them while controlling their posture. And they're belly down in turtle. Yeah. Then that's your fault. You've created that strike. You got to get that counted against you. Somebody (laughs) noting here, you know, inconsistencies. Yeah, they're different refs. It's different refs at different times, but there's still a... A foul is a foul. If you get a foul called against you, that's your fault. If you don't get it called against you, great, you got away with one. But like, per the rule, yeah, it was an illegal strike to the back of the head. Yeah. Um, So I cannot ever fault any fighter for wanting to not continue to fight after a foul like that. It's their life. People die from that. Yeah. And it's not like. Oh, they well, he didn't die in the moment. Okay, well, he still got to go home and live a life, right? Like, what, yeah. if, what if something like there can be lingering effects that might not set in until I mean, tonight? You know what I mean? Like, it's with, very with serious. Back, back of the head and brain bleed stuff too. Like, there was a video floating around the other day too of this boxer who you you know you saw there was this fight he was in. They show a little like clip of him in the fight. And this guy like moves around to the back and like punches him in the back of the head. And it's a little light shot. And he's like grabbing the back of his head and complaining and all that. And then you cut jump cut and it's him in a pretty much in a vegetative state for the rest of his life. Right. Like a couple hours later, you know, he's got swelling around his brain stem. He's got a ble- bleed in his brain. And now, for the rest of his life, people are picking him up and down and spoon-feeding him mm-hmm. and carrying him around. Right. And he- shots to the back of the head, like, it does not take a lot. So, to me, some fighters get away with it, and that sucks. But if it gets called on you, like, that's all Jacob Malkoon's fault. He's, you know. And here's – and and it's it's – absolutely Malkoon's fault um this is a sport right yeah and we need to keep it a sport and you can't hit to the back of the head it's it's insanely dangerous so i'm going to speak on this inconsistency so i'm 100 percent. this is a disqualification i'm fine with that cody yep. brundage uh he didn't want to continue that's fine 
He got a win, so he's probably keeping his job, and he gets his win bonus, which is a whole nother conversation that can be had here, right? Because it's yeah. like, man, I was getting worked, and now I got hit in the back of the head, and I got to feed my family. And if I don't win, not only do I not get a win bonus, but I probably get cut. So I'm going to do what I have to do to feed my family. Sure. And so whatever the case may be, right? But I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with John Jones losing to Matt Hamill. It's not the same as far as I'm concerned. Like getting hit in the back of the head is far more serious than some 12 to 6 elbows to the face. So when I'm like, that's bullshit, 12 to 6 should be legal, that's completely different. That's a rule that I believe should be changed. The rule about hitting to the back of the head, I don't think should be changed. That's an excellent rule and it should be enforced, right? Yeah. I don't even think you should have to get warned. Your warning's in the the locker room. Yeah, no, it should should be one of those most absolutely unquestionably obvious rules that fighters should just be like, oh, okay, I can't, I'm not allowed to do this. I know I can't do this. There's no question about it. I, you know, if I do it, I've, I've fucked up. Yeah. You know, honestly, it's just, like I said, there are places where, you know, fighters, you see fighters grab the back of their head standing when they like got clipped by a punch that they ducked from or something like that. It's like, okay, well, whatever. You created that situation for yourself. That's on you to know how to defend yourself well enough that you don't get hit like that. It's like, but, yeah, you mean you weren't intelligently defending yourself? Yeah. Because then the fight should be stopped. Yeah. But if you are if you are controlling somebody's posture utterly, you have your hooks in, you have their back, you have the access straight to the back of their head, that's all on you when you place your shot there. So... Okay. uh. After that heavyweight bout, Muhammad Usman, Jake Collier, and um, yeah, I mean, credit to Usman. His strength, his 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 footwork is janky as hell. He still like hops and like mo- vibrates every time. Every time he moves, more. He's, he's circling out more. He's circling out more. He puts all of his weight on the lead. Like his la- his back leg might as well be like one toe on the ground at almost all times. There is so little weight on his back leg. But he found a jab at some point midway through this fight and just started chewing Jake Collier up off of it. And credit to him because that changed a lot of this fight. I mean, the eye poke might have changed it too, but you know. That and has another thing, man. This creepy ass doctor that they keep sending in here. He was like trying to get um Collier to quit. Yeah. I like, oh, can't see. We're gonna have to stop it. And then Tan Dan comes in the ring. He's like, hold on, slow down, bud. This is my show. Yeah. Check it out. We're gonna follow the rules. Yeah. And we're gonna give this guy time to recover before we start jumping to conclusions. Yeah. And so order order uh resumed. But if a win bonus was not on the line. Do I think Collier would have continued? No, I don't. Might not have. Yeah. So this is this is like a tally for the win bonus, as far as the UFC is concerned. You know, it keeps people pushing through those low blows. Yeah. Yep. I That's hope. why they do it. That's why they do it. I mean, you can it may you can argue oh it may not be the fouls aren't the reason that they do it, but it is the idea to them. Fighters will keep trying in hard fights. They will fight harder because their money's on the line. That's the ideology. You know? (sighs) I hate it. I know. 
I hate it too, but I got I also got to say too, as much as I would blame Usman for the eye poke, and I w- I do, he's a really sloppy fighter. The UFC signing dudes like this and put them in, putting them in there, you're gonna get all these ugly fouls when you put fighters this inexperienced in the cage. Like, yeah, hundred percent. These dudes are just Usman. Him learning a jab in this fight was like, oh wow, that's a revelation. You know, <laughs> you're not. This is not the best face in the best. So no, but shout out to Collier for going for it in that opening round. Sure, he, yeah, he looked great for like three minutes. That he is was, the Jake Collier way. He was stinging Usman. And he was hurting him several times. Just really putting on him a, a crazy pace. But that jab. Just, yeah, Jake didn't have an answer for the jab, but maybe the eye poke took away one eye, and then it was actually the other eye that Usman. Yeah, true. Having. So yeah, maybe yeah. Collier's out there can't see shit against a freak of nature like Usman's. Like that's a tough. That's a tough night at the office. It is. It is, and that's that's unfortunately for Collier probably his last fight in the UFC too, because that's that's four straight losses for him, and mm. uh, five of his last six. Six of his last eight. Mm. You know. Bare knuckle boxing it is. Yeah, it seems like it's probably right around the corner for him. Yeah. Him versus Chase Sherman or something. Uh, BKFC, like 60. It's coming. It is coming. It is coming. All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout, Mizuki Inoue, Hannah Goldie, and uh, Inoue kind of underperformed, understandable, after three years on the sidelines. Goldie, honestly, to me, kind of overperformed. I was really surprised mm-hmm. to see her actually fight on the front foot and come forward mm-hmm. and create offense. She's almost always been a really back foot sort of engagement averse fighter in the past. And it made this fight a pretty close, decent, not great, not bad, whatever contests. You know, very split, very sticky. Very, very gritty. Um, yeah. Gritty performance from both. And, you know, considering both of them are coming off of layoffs. Um, but, yeah, I think the whole time it was everybody was game. Like, at no yeah. point did anyone back off or stop trying. Um, it, it's funny because it was a fight where I scored every round for Inouye. Same, I think. same. I did. But I was like, you know, Goldie could win this. There's an argument here. Mm-hmm. And the judges scored, all three judges scored three different rounds for Hannah Goldie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. It was that kind of fight. Yeah. Real stupid, you know? what you're saying. Just tooth and nail. Yep. But good to see you in a way. Get back in there. Get a win. Uh, want to see her kind of turn up the offense in the future. She really needs to figure out how not to punch herself into the clinch. Sure. That's, yeah. been a fu- that's been a problem for her whole career. She's not the most physical fighter, and she ends up in a lot of fights where she's just tying up with people all the time. Mm-hmm. That was still a problem here, but it's still, you know. She, she started gotta... fixing it by the third, though. Yeah. She really started yeah. to stay at range a lot more and was having a lot of success. But, yeah. I mean, I think also just the power of Goldie was also kind sure. of, you yeah. know, making her hesitate a little bit at range. 
And then uh, leading things off, we had my uh, my personal pick win of the night, which was <laughs> Montserrat Rendon against Tamara's Vidal. I was really surprised at how many people were just picking Vidal off, like, just from the outset. And it's just like, you know, she's well, really not very good. I get that the record has some nice names on it, but even then it's a little thin with a little digging. It's still more experience, right? It's, it's still more experience. She's but... been under the bright lights. She's gotten finishes under the bright lights in the UFC. Sure. But then I'm like watching the Montreal Rondon. I'm like, you know, she actually sits down on a one-two and will consistently throw offense. And Tamara's Vidal is basically just wild select a strike. I'll do what I want when I want kind of fighting. And it's like, I got to pick Rendon for this. Yeah, no, hats off to you, Zane. You uh, you, you, you called that one for sure. Yeah. Definitely close. It could have gone yeah. the, uh, the other way. Chris Lieben scored it the other way. Hey, hey, you know. Um, no, no disrespect to the Crippler, but it shouldn't yeah. have gone the other way. How about that second round timeout for the boob punch? That was hilarious. And like... like I I completely like feel bad for the ref, right? Because he's like, "Oh, you got punched in the tit." Oh, stop. <laughs> like he doesn't know. Like he. Just... <laughs> I, I mean, I, the you know that the other officials were in his ear right then and be like, oh, "What yeah. the hell are you doing, dumbass?" Right. Restart right. this. Restart the fight. That's he's not like, a foul. Oh. He was like, "Oh, these broads hit each other in the titty. I got to call a timeout." <laughs> it's just. Uh, he was just, just he, was, he was being a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> These damsels hit each other in the breastuses. <laughs> we gotta stop this. Oh, I can't imagine what made him do that. But well, Vidal called for it. She wanted she it. I know. I can't imagine what made her do that either. I mean, She's tired. <laughs> that's one of those situations where, like, you know, where's Dom screaming about? That's where you stop the fight. You stopped fighting. Yeah, you no know? shit. Honestly, that's a TKO. Like, yeah, that's a TKO. You stop fighting. Mm. You call the referee for a timeout for a legal strike. That's fight over. Yeah, that's you know? that's the TKO by body shot. That's a performance yeah, bonus. Exactly. <laughs> that's 50 G's, baby. <laughs> it's not 50 G's. Sports All right. Center top 10 plays. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the nipple, the nipple flick on yeah. the top 10. The purple nurple. <laughs> Coming in at number five. Uh, it's not God. happening. Okay. Uh Otherwise, yeah, disappointing end of the night. Pretty Dis- disappointing night. start to the night. Disappointing start to the night. Disappointing end of the night. Good stuff in the middle. Yeah, we got our Substack select content for all you Substack subscribers. That'll be dropping in just a little in, in a little bit here over on our Substack. So, if you're not subscribing, subscribe. If you are subscribing, we appreciate the hell out of you, and we'll see y'all later. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. 
We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.